So we're going to talk to Reverend Robert Sirico, Father Sirico, who was a Roman Catholic priest. He's co-founder of the Free Market-Oriented Acton Institute. He's an old friend of mine. And he has a new book out called The Economics of the Parables. God, I love that. The New Testament Parables. I hope the economics of the parables are good. Uh, Father Sirico, first of all, thank you for coming on. It's been a while. I, I just want to, before we dig into your book, just, you know, we're living in a period right now where these secular progressives and socialists basically hate God and hate religion and want all of it out of our lives, schools, you know, churches, whatever. Their God is the state. Their God is government. Their God is central planning. And it seems to me, Father Sirico, that is a big, big, big problem for the soul of this country. It's an enormous challenge and a great change in our culture in many respects. I mean, the young people, especially all the polling indicate, not just that they don't believe in God, but that they have disaffiliated from Mm. uh, religious institutions. So I think it bespeaks a certain skepticism on the part of institutions generally, and religious institutions in particular. Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, there's a battle for the soul of this country. And um, yeah. the Judeo-Christian and, heritage has always been so important, you know, to the American idea and the American ideal. And, and the, the inspiration behind our institutions, really. Mm. The division of power, you know, the, the, the very idea that uh, the state is not God uh, you know, comes from the Judeo-Christian culture, comes from the Old Testament and the New Testament. And to lose that uh, kind of concentrates all power and authority in the political apparatus. That's very dangerous. So, Father Sirico, when I go to Mass tonight in my little parish in Connecticut, can I rest assured that Lord Jesus is really a supply cider? <laughs> I think he what are the parables? Up. Tell us about your parables. Well, you know, um, economics is, only comes into existence um, because of scarcity. So, of course, God can't be considered uh, an economist because he lives in eternity. He lives, uh, if things weren't scarce, we wouldn't have economics, right? But because we live in this real world where things are scarce, when Jesus tells the stories of the parables, he uses examples that have economic implications, even if that's not the goal of the parable. And what I did here was just take uh, 13 parables, the more obvious ones that have economic dimensions to them, like the prodigal son, which is largely a uh, discussion of uh, inheritance dispute, or the parable of the Good Samaritan, which is the antithesis of the welfare state, even if some religious leaders use it as an example of and a model for the welfare state. What about um, Matthew 25? (laughs) Everybody asks about the talents because people get rankled. They think there's been some injustice done to the men who come at the end of the day. Remember that this is the story where the uh, I'm sorry. This is the story where um, the the master entrusts to the talent mm-hmm. to, to his servants various talents, and the one at the end doesn't lose the money. This is interesting about this story, but he doesn't increase it. He's not productive with it. And I think the key to that 
there are two keys to understanding it, one at the beginning, one at the end. The first is that the master gives to each according to his ability. That's what the scripture says. So these men could do what the master hoped they would do. They could be productive. They had the capacity to do it. But at the end, we see the one who has only the one talent he'd hidden says to the master, I knew you were a cruel man gathering where you have not scattered and uh, basically exploiting the work of others. Who does that sound like to you? I mean, that's modern day social. Right. Exactly. Uh, exactly. This, this guy is fearful, which is of course antithetical to entrepreneurs in a market economy because they have to be courageous. They have to be willing to risk in a prudent way to make a profit. But they also see as this servant does that the master is exploitative, that productivity mm. exploits you. You have gathered where you have not scattered. You have reaped where you have not sown. Well, so, uh, Jesus, really, Jesus uh, teaches repeatedly about caring for the poor. Very, very yes. important. Okay. But very personally, your, your point down through the years has been that, you know, the best care for the poor is a vibrant free market economy. It's not the socialist state planning totalitarian economy. And I think to some extent, Father, that's a, a thought that needs to be reborn, reinvigorated, if you will. I mean, we want to care for the poor. We want to care for the least among us. What you do for the least among us, you do for me. But um, there are ways, you know, socialism won't deliver the goods. Free market capitalism will. And when I think of you and I think of the work of the Acton Institute, that's kind of what I think about, that you're saying freedom, free markets will do for the poor what the state and communism will not. Right. Uh, there are actually two messages, and that's one of them. So when we talk about poverty, we're talking about productivity because the antithesis of poverty is abundance, Right. And so we have to find some mechanism. It's not just enough to wish that the poor had bread. You have to know how to make a bakery, mm. <laughs> how to build a bakery. So that's the one thing. Uh, on, the, on the level of material sustenance, a free economy is more productive and therefore people rise. But there's a second part that's very important, and that is that the political apparatus, the welfare state, the bureaucracies – actually distance us from the poor. So that in in a free society, when people give to the poor, when they are inspired to give to the poor, it's not just the poor that benefits from that. It's also the person who's giving, because there's a relationship that is established at some level. And in this sense, people mistake Christianity for socialism, because I can't tell you, Larry, how many times people will say to me, well, isn't Christianity socialist? because it teaches us to be generous and to share our wealth. And the, the, the answer I've come up with, I found it in uh, Winston Churchill. He said, the socialism of the early Christians said that all that I have is yours. Hmm. Hmm. The socialism of today says all that you have is mine. It's mine. Oh, that's great. That's terrific. One is inspired to share with other people who are in need, and the other is mandated. And this creates a barrier to human bonding, to human community. Do the parables also, I mean, another point here, uh, current society, current culture is 
very difficult, very hostile, very aggressive, very punishing, you know, attacking, personal attacks and so forth. It just seems to me that the teachings of Christ in the parables and, and elsewhere throughout the New Testament teaches um, relationships and civility and respect. And these are things yes. that I fear, you know, our great country is losing, at least at the moment, at least temporarily. I think we today, for a variety of reasons, both technological and uh, political, um, are disrespecting people we disagree with. Right. It, it's one thing to say you and I disagree. You know, Larry, this may come as a great shock, but I'm sure if we sat down long enough, <laughs> uh, we'd find some things we don't agree on. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, but does that have to dissolve friendship? Does mm. that have to dissolve uh, personal respect for one another? I long for those days of Bill Buckley and the firing line where he could have all kinds of people on the program and yet be genial and winsome in his discussions and debates with them. That's yeah. gone. That's exactly what I was thinking about. Look, I, um, Bill and Pat Buckley were very dear friends yes. of um, myself and my saintly wife, Judy. I, I was honored uh, a week or two ago with the Buckley, William F. Buckley Prize. We did it at the Reagan Library. And when I spoke, Father Sirico, when I spoke, I spoke about how beautifully he handled himself with civility, with humor, with self-deprecating humor. And that's a lesson for all of us to learn or relearn uh, in these uh, harsher times, I'll call them. And I think, you know, I mean, you're the expert on the New Testament. I'm not. Uh, I'm a little poor sinner myself, but I do go to church. And, you know, the, the, I mean, I, 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 th- I think Jesus teaches that. I think sure. I think that that's, you know, part of his message. And, it's you know, you can find it in the Sermon on the Mount. And that's something we should all think about. It, it, the, the thing, the secret of the gospel is that it inspires us to go beyond ourselves. It calls us to a higher vision of the dignity of human life, the recognition that each person, even, or maybe I should say, especially the sinner, mm. Uh, mm. Is, is beloved by God and is sought because of their, the great value of their immortal soul. So, Father, Reverend Robert Sirico, the name of the book is The Economics of the Parable. When I go to Mass tonight, I'm going to think about Jesus as a supply cider. And folks, go out and buy the book. It's going to be terrific stuff. I've known Robert Strico for many years. Thank you, Father. We appreciate it very much. Give the book to your preacher. (laughs) Will do.